endure those hardships. But the greatest testimony that I have of that success of my life couldn't find my way to be that short one, so I always have too much to say. But here we go. So thank you. I thank the Pastor Joel for allowing me to tell you about my mom, Mary Crying Joel. She was born in the farmhouse of her mom and dad in North Lawrence, Ohio in 1918. She was actually the only child of their four infants that survived. My mom was fortunate to live to the age of 96, and like many of her generation, her life was anything but easy. And it was her life experiences and the influence of her parents and her grandfather that shaped her life and made her who she was. So she grew up a farm girl and learned how to do all the things that you do on a farm. Her dad raised chickens, and he actually had a route where he would go to market every Friday and take eggs and if people wanted chickens. So she learned how to dress chickens for sale at a dairy farm too and all the things that you did on a farm. She was a wife of two wonderful men. She was married to my dad, Calvin Tryon, for 45 years before he passed in 1982. And several years later in 1990, she remarried the Reverend Clayton and enjoyed almost 15 years with him. She was a mother of four, wonderful children, I might add. And I don't know if some of my siblings are joining online today or not. And like Bob said, you know, about who the favorite son was. Well, I don't know who the favorite was. We all have our own opinions, but I was the baby of the family. That had to count for something. She was a grandmother of eight and a great-grandmother of 12. As I said, she learned how to do everything growing up. She was a seamstress. It seemed like there was always a dress pattern or some type of pattern laid out on the dining room table in fact she made wedding dresses for both of my sisters. And she was a teacher. And she taught us all how to sew. I had to learn how to make a shirt. She also took us all, taught us all how to cook clean, do laundry, iron, garden, can and freeze, vegetables and fruits, and basically everything that you needed to do, needed to know to do life. She was a wonderful cook. Her Sunday dinners and holiday meals were always very special. She always did everybody's favorite treats, like homemade Yorkshire pudding, and not everybody's favorite, but my favorite was we always had oyster stew on Christmas Eve dinner. And she was a very gracious hostess. My dad had a group of friends that would love to come to the farm to go hunting. So on the first day of hunting season, they would always come and hunt. And then mom would put on one of her famous spreads for them. And as they got older and years passed, 
the hunting didn't seem to be that important really and they just kind of asked his dad and said Cal just tell us what time dinner is and then he told us that she was also a writer she was a newspaper correspondent for 25 years and she loved word puzzles and loved to play games with her family and she was a competitive I know how some moms and maybe some grandmas you know play games with their kids and they want to make sure the kids win and you know so they don't feel bad and that didn't happen in our house so if you played Scrabble just know before you started you were going to lose we played a lot of croquet games in the out in the yard and as my sister Becky would say she said mom you're a very gracious host and a merciless croquet host she loved to do crossword the harder the better the ones in the paper weren't hard enough at first we had to give her the New York Times crossword puzzle book and her love for writing and words helped again my sister Becky who competed in the spelling bee and mom would have a list of words for her every day when she came home from school and her spelling was fabulous as many moms she was also a caregiver and a provider my dad suffered many health issues throughout his life in fact there was a period of time when he was out of work for three years mom found a way to provide for the family through her writing for the papers and everything else that she did how she made that work I have no idea but she did and of course if you knew my mom she was a musician she loved music and her love of music was nurtured by her grandfather he was a song leader at their Mennonite church where she grew up and there were no instruments but she learned about music as her grandfather would take the tuning fork and sound middle C and then give everybody the pitches to start the hymn she said that's how she learned the various pitches of the scale and how to sing harmonies and when she reached school age she started piano lessons the piano teacher would come to the house and it was 50 cents when the price went up to 75 cents dad her dad said they couldn't afford that so grandma stepped in and, and paid for it continued the piano lessons at around the age of 10 or 11 she started playing hymns for the Wednesday night prayer service at church her dad was a song leader and he had her sit at the piano she said so he wouldn't have to do that but at the age of 10 or 11 she had to sit there and randomly play the hymns as people called out their favorites that they wanted to hear in following years, she became a piano teacher. She was an amazing pianist and accompanist. She was always accompanying my sisters through all of their musical endeavors. But I must say that not all of her piano students were successful, one in particular that I know very well. It doesn't always work very well when you're trying to teach your kids to take lessons from your mom. And part of the problem was I really wasn't that interested in playing the piano for me it was very difficult which meant you had to practice I don't like practice so she saw early on that wasn't going to work so she found me another piano teacher worked, worked for a while and then she was bound to determine she said I always wanted to quit she said you can quit when you learn enough piano that you can play every hymn out of the hymnal on Sunday morning well if anybody's done that hymns are some of the more difficult things to play so she thought I needed another teacher. She got a very highly skilled, more professional piano teacher for me when I was probably junior high age. And the wonderful thing about that was she learned very early on that piano was probably not my future. 
And she happened to be a very avid golfer, which was probably one of my first loves. And I kind of knew that my piano days were over when after lesson one day, my piano teacher asked my mom, would it be okay if I took Philip with me to go up to Firestone to watch the pro golfers? She was, she was the perfect pianist. She did get her pianist as it skipped a generation, as you know, how well my son Mark plays piano for me. Later in life, she was able to purchase an organ for her apartment, and she took organ lessons and became a part-time organist for the church in Orville. And she was influential in getting Mark started as an organist as well. And her love of music, along with our dad's, had a significant influence on our family. It was just part of our life. There was always music in the home. My two sisters have both been professional musicians and educators. Their spouses, myself, Robin has been involved in music. All, almost all of our kids and our grandkids, he'd be very pleased to know that Calvin, who is now 12, is taking clarinet lessons, and Daniel, who is 10, is now taking trumpet lessons, and Tommy, who was scheduled to start piano lessons this fall. So if she were still here, that would make her very, very happy. She was always pretty particular about how things should be done and the right way of doing things. I wouldn't say that that was based on a little bit of OCD, which it probably was, but she also had the right way of doing things for the right reasons because she knew what was right and what was wrong, and you always did what was right. And believe me, we all learned what was right and what was wrong. She was a woman of determination, perseverance, and a tower of strength on the inside, but what she displayed on the outside, but what she displayed on the outside was a lady of grace, kindness, and elegance. And most importantly of all, she was a woman of faith. It was this faith at the very core of her being that was the source of her strength, her determination, and perseverance, as well as her love, graciousness, and kindness. Since she knew that faith in God was the most important thing in anyone's life, she wanted that for all of her children, and not just for her family, but she truly wanted that for everyone. Growing up in home of faith, growing up in a home of faith at a time when life was not easy, she learned about the providence of God and how to trust in Him for everything. She learned that through hard work and faith, the Lord will provide. Now, Robin's not here this morning. She went with Mark to hear him play this morning, and Mark is sick. And when Robin, when I met Robin and introduced her to our family on our first date, I seemed to have the thought that I should bring her home to meet my mom and dad. Might have been kind of strange on the first date, but I could just kind of figure I should do that. So Robin being a city girl and me growing up on the farm, Robin wasn't sure what to expect. Well, on mom's 90th birthday party, we had people write remembrances and stories about my mom to share with her and everything. And Robin wrote a poem, which was actually entitled, The Lord Will Provide, and I'll just read you a little bit of it. They, being us, drove into the driveway by a big red barn, a 
Collie was tied out and sounded the alarm. She wondered, could this be the dog Lassie barking by the tree? But no, this was Maestro, not the dog on TV. The house was so comfortable and neat as a pin, she could tell it was special from the moment she walked in. His mom was soft-spoken, and so was his pops. We made light conversation and discussed our summer diet. As the girl sat down, they all looked at a map discussing the best way to get to Akron's back. She thought, should I tell them? They were having so much fun. She already knew the way before they even began. Instead, she decided to gaze at the walls of the house in North Lawrence that started it all. The walls told a story of a family of faith with a love for the Lord. It was a faith healing story. Thus, particular particular interest to her was the picture she spied in a beautiful old frame which said the Lord will provide. She later found out that the picture was more than a quote from Genesis that had matched the day before. This farm in the sticks had a story to tell as the quiet lady that lived there had said farewell to a husband in good health, who then returned from the war with more problems than either of them had bargained for. This lady dealt with life's challenges with wisdom and grace and had met them head on with a smile on her face. Through the years, the girl thought of that plaque on the wall in the farmhouse in North Lawrence that started it all. The city girl has come full circle with a special place in her heart for the quiet lady from North Lawrence who knew from the start that when troubles come often and our dreams are denied, we can ask anything of our Creator, and the Lord will provide. I think in some ways Mom always wanted me to be a preacher. She was always so interested and supportive of me when the opportunity came for me to fill in. She always wanted copies of my sermons and wanted to know what I would be speaking about. And the last time I had done this before she passed, we were sitting at her kitchen table, and she asked me what my scripture text would be. And I said, well, it's from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 to 20, and she just kind of smiled. And I started to recount that, and I'll just read a little bit of that this morning. Moses was giving his final commands to the people of Israel as they were ready to enter the promised land. And he says this, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Well, as I started to read that, she just jumped right to the end and simply said, choose life. 
said, I'm very familiar with that passage. And I've thought about that many times during my life because I had to decide whether to go on and continue with my life. My mom made her first decision to do that at a very early age. She was 11 years old, and she said she was at an evening revival service. And she remembered going down front, kneeling on the cold, hard floor on her bare knees and accepting Christ. Her faith was nurtured by her grandfather, who was a buddy. He would hold her on his lap and tell her all of the Bible stories and taught her to memorize scripture, which she remembered well. Whenever she was lonely or couldn't sleep, she would recite the Lord's Prayer. Her grandpa led family worship every evening at home, and her dad would read the Bible every night as well. It was this foundation of faith that was developed in her from the very beginning that they became part of her being and the essence of who she really was. She continued her study of the Bible throughout her entire life. It formed her values, her thinking, and influenced not only everything she did, but everyone she came in contact with. In going through her things, I found a couple of her journals, and here are some of the things that she had written. Love and forgiveness are intimately related. Love is just as large or just as small as the size of, of one's tolerance for weakness and imperfection. And along the same lines, and showing a little bit of her sense of humor, she said, love makes one tolerant of another's failings. Are others tolerant of my failings? I hope so, for they are many. Dear God, help me to control my tongue. It is loose on both ends, so to speak. She would also say laying down one's life for a friend does not necessarily mean physical death. It can mean a life of service or selfless giving. So it was this faith and her knowledge of the word of God and the providence of God that saw her through all of her difficulties, especially those tough times and those in life, especially with her health. Many opportunities to feel like giving up. She missed half of first grade because of sickness. She missed the last six weeks of her senior year of high school with rheumatic fever. She then had severe tonsillitis, followed again by rheumatism. In the early 50s, I believe was the misdiagnosis, but she had myocarditis that remained for six months after that. And she had lost a lot of hope and didn't know if she was getting better. And one day a cardinal appeared outside the bedroom window and she gave her joy and hope actually wrote a short story that was published in a little book about how that cardinal came to give her hope and that cardinal came that day and every day and every day and for years the herald was sending that cardinal around to give her hope and as she went through her life every time she headed downtown it was just amazing that a cardinal would appear on her window but she always summoned up the strength to make the decision to go on and see what else God had in store for her. She would ask us many times, why am I still here? And we would tell her, well, as long as you're still here, you know, God still has a purpose for what he wants to do. Well, it's been 12 years now since my cancer diagnosis in 2010, and one of the things I struggled with the most was, uh, was to know that I had 
had to go and tell my mom of what I was facing and part of the unknowns that I was facing at that time. So I went to her apartment. She was sitting in the recliner. I pulled up a chair next to her, and she just looked at me with her loving eyes, eyes and a bright smile, and she knew something. You know, moms know something, right? They know what's coming. So I sat down and told her that I had this tumor. I was going to have surgery, chemo, radiation, this and all of that. She sat right up in her chair, and she grabbed my hand, and she looked at me, and she said, now I know what's going to come. I'm going to pray you about you and making you feel valued and important that would open the door to sharing her faith and make you want to serve God like she has. I'll share one example with you of this, which is a note that her then stepson, Jim, wrote to her in one of her personal notes. Dear Mom, I just wanted to tell you how important you have been in my life. I believe in providence and that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. You have been a beacon of light for me when I had lost touch with the truth. You are one of the many that showed me the way back to myself, and I saw Christ in you so that I could be taken back into his everlasting arms. I love you. That pretty much says it all about my mom. And I think if she was still healed here today, she would remind us that we should still choose life. As God does has a, have a purpose for each and every one of us if we will follow him. In one of her journal entries, she said this, Is being born again when you die and the spirit leaves the body? She has in parentheses a suggestion that she has a great fear. She said, I think not. I am born anew each day because eternity is now. God freely offers a choice to follow him with his life through the gift of salvation offered through the blood of Jesus Christ and in so doing offering ourselves up to him and allow him to use us for his purposes and his glory. My mom made her first decision to choose life at a very early age and allowed God to use this back to use her according to his purposes and to reflect his love his grace, his kindness, his mercy, and his glory to others. She would also write, we are as strong as we allow God to make us. Our spiritual growth is in his hands, not ours. We must make ourselves available to him. I love my mom a lot and still miss her. And when I have struggles and times of doubt, I try to remember the example of her determination, her perseverance, her strength, and her life of faith trust in the Lord. It sometimes makes me ask, am I making myself available to him? For when we put our complete trust in the Lord, he will not only provide everything we need, we will joyfully serve him and we will find that we have made ourselves not only available to him, 